Your thoughts control your actions, but your actions come from all your thoughts. And if you think the wrong way, you will act the wrong way. Win Monday Nation, fired up to be here. And today is going to be one of those conversations you literally will never forget because you probably have heard a story about a coffee bean and there's a message and a mission that's behind it. So today we're joined by none other than Damon West, but a quick backstory on him and then we're going to unpack his journey. So today, if you were to ask who's Damon, you'll hear and see things like a change agent, a servant leader, a professor a philanthropist, a keynote speaker, a best-selling author. But that wasn't always his story because you'll hear how a through line of decisions for better or worse have really been the key to building who he is today and molding who he is today because his backstory also includes the words of a life sentence. So Damon, first and foremost, we are fired up to have you on the Win Monday podcast. Oh, man. Thanks a lot for having me, brother. And thanks for fitting me in today because we had this crazy scheduling thing going on. <laughs> and I was like, look, I'll be in a hotel room in New Orleans at, at this time. <laughs> and you're like, dude, let's do it. So, man, thank you. Thank you for making the time to talk to me today because I cannot wait to share this story, the message and, and about decisions with your audience today. Yeah. So take us back. And for one, I, I mean, look, we're beyond grateful and a lot of folks listening into this already know your story, but I think today we're going to add some color and some context and really just some fire behind it. But then there's a lot of folks that may not know kind of that story of resilience and that resurrection. So take us back to the beginning and just give us the earlier stages, earlier life chapters of where you grew up and kind of those earlier decisions that maybe led you into those darker places. But eventually there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, no. So I, I grew up in this little southeast Texas town called Port Arthur, Texas. And, and Port Arthur's down where Louisiana and Texas touch on the Gulf Coast. A little blue collar town, came from a great family. Uh, my dad was a sports writer. My mother was a nurse. So I had the, this all-American childhood going on. But I made some poor choices at a very young age. And I got into substance abuse. I was 10 the first time I drank, 12 mm -hmm. the first time I smoked pot. But the problem is I have bad belief systems. And your belief systems, they're so important. And we, when we're young, we form our belief systems. They tell us how to act and how to behave, how to respond to different situations. And the longer you hold on to a bad belief system, the harder it is to get rid of. In fact, the truth is, Paul, bad belief systems usually went out in the end. They're mm. very, very hard to change. And my bad belief system when I was younger told me it was okay to drink a little beer, smoke a little pot, that... You know, I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't even hurting myself because in my life at the time, when I was a kid growing up in Port Arthur, I had it all. I was a star quarterback at a 5A high school. And, and back in Texas, we have this thing called high school football that we're very serious about. It's like a religion. <laughs> it's like a religion. It's like it a is religion. like a religion in yeah. my home. It's crazy, man. I tell people outside of Texas that there's no like fabrication. The Friday night lights and all that stuff, that's real, man. That's like very serious on Friday nights. It's a big deal. And I was the man. Paul was a three-year starting quarterback for a 5A school scholarship to play Division I college football at the University of North Texas. And by the time I was 20, I was the starting quarterback. I had be taken over a Division I team. And man, I really thought I had arrived because my identity was so wrapped up in being this college football player. But life has a way of giving us these days that I call fork in the road days. Mm -hmm. And I had a big fork in the road that happened in my life. And 
It was in 1996 against Texas A&M. Third play of this game, I'm 20 years old. Third play of the game, I go down, career in an injury, never play college football again. And I get up to this fork and road in life and my identity was gone. And mm-hmm. I made a lot of bad choices and bad decisions. Again, back to our decision-making, cocaine, ecstasy, pills. But Paul, I was a very functional addict at the time. You know, and I graduate college in 1999. I move off to Washington, D.C. I got a job working in the United States Congress. Then I worked for a guy running for president. Then mm. in 2004, I moved back to Dallas to train to be a stockbroker for one of the biggest Wall Street banks in the world, UBS, United Bank of Switzerland. Yeah. And it was at that job in 2004 that my life and the lives of so many other innocent people, Paul, would forever be changed by another fateful decision that I made. It was a day that I was passed out of sleep at work. This other stockbroker came up. He saw me sleeping. He woke me up and he was telling me, he said, you can't sleep on a job like this. They'll fire you. The markets are open. He said, come on down to the parking garage. I've got something that'll pick you up. So I followed this guy in the parking garage that day and I take my first hit of meth and I was instantly hooked to this truck. I mean, instantly hooked. And 18 months later, I'm homeless, living on the streets of Dallas. I've burned through everything, man. My job, my home, my car, my savings account, my family, my tethering to God. It's gone in 18 months. And now I'm a criminal breaking into cars, breaking into storage units. And eventually I start breaking into people's homes to fund my addiction. And these crimes I committed, these burglaries, they went on for about three years. And my victims, I tell people this all the time, Paul, when I broke into people's homes, my victims, I didn't just steal property from my victims. I stole something way more valuable from these victims. I stole their sense of security. And I cannot replace that. There's nothing I can do. The state of Texas has a law against even apologizing to your victims. So I can't even make an apology to these people. That's going to negatively impact them for the rest of their lives. But after three years of committing property crimes against the people of Dallas, Texas, a Dallas SWAT team on July 30th, 2008, 15 years ago from this recording, the Dallas SWAT team took me down in a dramatic SWAT team raid. They arrested me that day. They took me to Dallas County Jail. They processed me in. They set my bond at $1.4 million for engaging in organized crime. RICO. Everybody's talking about RICO in America right now. This is RICO, and that's what I go down for. And I'm the mastermind. I'm the ringleader of the entire group of other meth addicts breaking into people's houses. And I go to my trial almost a year later. And at that trial, the jury sentences me to life in prison, 65 years, 65 years as a life sentence in Texas. And that moment, May 18th, 2009, the day that I was sentenced to life in prison, it was like it was like being kicked in the stomach, man. I mean, when a jury sentenced you to life in prison, I knew that day, Paul, that something had to change and that something was me. Mm. But I did not know how to make that change. I didn't know how to make the right decisions at this point. And you can imagine how floored you are when something like that happens. I mean, like, or maybe you can't because when you're sentenced to life in prison, your life is essentially taken away from you. But my mom and my dad make, make me make a promise to them that I won't get into these Aryan Brotherhood type gangs when I'm in prison and that I'll come back as the man they raised. And I don't know how I'm going to keep this promise because everybody in county jail, you know, I'm waiting for the prison bus to come pick me up. And everybody in county jail is telling me that I can't survive without being in a gang, that I mm-hmm. have to get into a gang. But there was this one guy in Dallas County Jail, Paul. And this is really the crux of the story in my message. This old black guy named Mr. Jackson He shared with me the story of the coffee bean one day, and he said, this is how you're going to survive 
the pot of boiling water called prison. And he walks me through it. He said, the carrot in the pot of boiling water we call prison goes in hard, but becomes soft, mushy, weak. The egg in the same pot of boiling water goes in with a hard outer shell and a soft liquid inside. But inside that soft liquid inside, that heart of the egg becomes hardened in the boiling water. But he said the coffee bean in the same pot of boiling water changes the pot of boiling water into the pot of coffee. And he said, in fact, he said that the coffee bean is the only thing that changes the water because it is the change agent. Mm. And he's telling me, if you want to survive this experience called prison, because now remember, he's a seasoned convict. And I'm learning something from someone that only him with his experience could teach me. It's another one of the things I talk about in life. Everyone is a teacher, Paul. Everyone's yep. a teacher. Whether they teach you how to do something the right way or the wrong way, every human being that you encounter in life is a teacher. So pay attention because everybody's always teaching you. But he's telling me, if you want to survive this, you have to be a coffee bean. In fact, the last words he ever said to me before I guess into prison, be a coffee bean. And Paul, I remember <laughs> where I was in my mindset when I heard the story of the coffee bean. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do this because I understand I have three choices. It simplified my life because now decision-making is broken into down in three choices. I have the choice every day of how I want to see the world. Do I want to be sad like the, the carrot, hard and mad and mean like the egg, or do I want to be a positive person like the coffee bean and change the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee? And the coffee bean message gave me the power to start making those better decisions. Now, I mean, I've got a life sentence I've still got to go face, but I had this message. It was like sitting on the biggest secret in the world that this was going to be okay because now I know how to think my way through this process. Mm. Let me ask you this in that moment where you're talking to Mr. Jackson, because like you said, I mean, you, you I'm paraphrasing, but when you stole things from people's homes, it was more than the physical property use you, you sell their, uh, or you steal their sense of safety and peace of mind and potentially well-being. Like they might always look over their shoulder because of this fear. And, and you know that, but now my point being that there's a power in mindset, there's a shift that happens. Most folks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would anticipate that when we're talking jail or prison, the true thing that people might be lacking is hope. It's optimism. It's belief. Like you said, the power of a belief system. So in that dark moment, man, where you're facing down the barrel, you've got a freaking life sentence ahead of you. Why do you have hope and belief and optimism? Why not just say, thanks, Mr. Jackson, for the inspiring words, but like, Man, there's a lot of pollution from the neck up. Like, what made you believe that being a coffee bean was possible in an otherwise hopeless situation? You hit the nail on the head as far as like hope, because hope is the it's the thing every human being has to have. And the truth is, Paul, is prison is the most hopeless thing I've ever most hopeless place I've ever seen. Seemingly hopeless. And I always yeah. put the word seemingly in there front of the word go. hopeless. There you go. Because it only seems hopeless. But if you buy into the hopelessness, then you have given up on the idea of hope. You've seen Shawshank Redemption, right? Yeah, of course. Best prison movie ever made. And I've watched every one. My dad, when I got out of prison, he wanted to watch every prison movie with me. He's like, tell me who got it right. So we did. We started <laughs> off with Cool Hand Luke. The first night I got home from second night home from prison, we watched Cool Hand Luke. We watched them all, but it was Shawshank is the one prison movie that got it right. And I'm convinced that whoever consulted on Shawshank had done time before because they nailed that element of prison, hope. When you meet Red in this, by the way, Shawshank, it's not even Andy Dufresne's movie. It's not a movie about Andy. It's a movie about Red. 
And the reason why it's a movie about Red, it's Red's story and not Andy's story, is because Red is a dead man when you meet him in this movie. Red has lost hope a long time ago. And human beings have to have this thing called hope to not only survive, but become the best version of themselves. Red has lost hope. Most of those guys in Shawshank had no hope, like Brooks. When Brooks made parole, he got out, he lasted about two weeks, and he hung himself. But he wrote a letter back to the boys in Shawshank. He told him what he did and why he did it. And as Andy's reading the letter back to the boys in Shawshank, everybody's shaking their head because they understood the mindset that Brooks was in because they didn't have hope either. Red says to Andy, he says, Andy, I wouldn't make it out there either, Andy. I'm an institutional man now. He even says the words to Andy out loud. He said, hope is a dangerous thing. But what did Andy tell Red? Andy told Red, get busy living or get busy dying. Mm. And by the end of that Mm. movie, by the end of Shawshank Redemption, Red says the words to Andy. He says the words out loud. He said, hope is a good thing. Every human being has to have hope, Paul, because if you don't have hope, you've got nothing. Talk about decision-making, man. If you're making a decision based on the world that you see has got zero to offer you, and, and that's a dark place. You're making decisions from a dark state of mind. Yeah. But in that place called prison, and I went to a supermax. I went to the hardest kind of prison there was in Texas. And the worst part of prison, because I live with the lifers, I was able to hold on to this thing called hope. And once my hope, once I got through the first couple of months of prison, which were the toughest, because that's all the violence and all the fighting, you have to establish yourself and show that you'll defend yourself. But once I got through to the other side of that, and I started working on myself, and I started becoming a coffee bean, other people mm-hmm. saw that. And guess what? It brought them hope. I started becoming an Andrew Dufresne to so many men that I was incarcerated with because I showed that it could be done. And I'm using the example about prison, obviously, because I've been to a maximum security prison. I lived in a prison. But in this world right now, we have people that I call hope dealers. You're one of them. These hope dealers out there, they show us that it can be done. They show us that no matter what your circumstances are in life, on the other side of the adversity is the best version of you. But we have to go through the adversity in life, Paul, to meet the best version of ourselves, to shake the hand of the man or woman we were always meant to be. In fact, our good friend, Ed Milet, Ed says that life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. And it's, it's the mindset that everything in life, the good and the bad, is happening for you to become the best version of you. But you have to go through the adversity to meet that best version of you. And that's what prison was for me. It was the ultimate test, the ultimate adversity. But once I got to the other side of that, I realized that with the right mindset and the right ability to think through your problems, you can conquer anything in life, that your thinking is everything in life. Your thoughts control your actions, but your actions come from all your thoughts. And if you think the wrong way, you will act the wrong way. To win Monday and beyond, we all know that confidence is the ante to play. And I want to help. So if you haven't already, head over to my website and take your very own confidence quiz, where you'll walk away knowing your confidence score, 1 to 100. You'll also get my 12 keys to build and sustain unshakable confidence. Your quiz is waiting at paulepsteinspeaks.com. May Navbar hit confidence quiz. Again, that's paulepsteinspeaks.com and you'll find your very own confidence quiz right there in the main nav bar. With that, let's get back to the show. Mm, mm, so good. We can go in 
countless directions here. Let's say somebody from the Win Monday Nation listening into this says, I'm in. I want to be a coffee bean. I'm ready to be a coffee bean. But I might be surrounded by folks that don't believe in being a coffee bean. So let's say you're outnumbered or maybe you're standing solo. What do you do in those types of environments? Yeah. So the, look, I lived in that environment. Prison was, Jackson told me in county jail, he said, you are going to be a light in a dark place. He said, this dark place doesn't want your light in it. They're going to try to snuff you out. They're going to try to kill you because you are a positive person. And he was right. They did. I mean, I thought I was going to die several different times in there. But here's what I learned. Positive energy is infectious. And all these negative people that you see out there, inside them somewhere is that person that was once a positive person. And, and we get so mm. far away from that positive person. We get so far away from that, that mindset that looks at life as a gift and we that get to mindset of every day. So here's what I would tell you. In the prison, the number one thing I had to do every day was have positive body language everywhere I went. I smiled everywhere I went. And I still do it to this day because your smile is powerful. When people see you smile, they smile back. It is a yep. chain reaction of positive energy simply because of the expression on your face. Mr. Jackson told me, he said, you either infect the room when you walk into it with your negative energy or you affect that room with your positive energy. You infect or you affect. You're the disease or the cure in every mm. room you go into. Now, here's what I would tell you to do with the negative people, people that our friend John Gordon calls energy vampires, right? I <laughs> love really that. Out of these people, they're negative people. They're everywhere around you. Put a smile on your face. Go up to them and tell them, tell me something good. Tell me something good. And at first, Paul, they're not going to tell you anything good. They're going to get away from you. They're think you're crazy. And your positive energy freaks them out. It freaks their negative energy out. But eventually, if you have contact with you, you work with these people. Say that you're at your job. You work at a school. They're in, wherever it is, every time they see you in their mind, they're going to be racing to think of a positive thought to tell you. At first, just to get you out of their face. But you've trained them to think positively when they see you. And that's a positive reaction to you. And anytime you can have an encounter where someone has to think positive or thinks a positive thought when they see you, that's when you know you're being a coffee bean. Because that's how you change the world around you. The power's inside you, not in the world around you. Mm. Tell us, take us back to, so you're still in prison, but you're making these as I would call them, better decisions faster, right? You're subscribing to the philosophy and the action plan of Mr. Jackson, and you're being the light in the dark room. You're being the coffee bean. And at a certain point, you got some, not just good or great news, some literally life-changing news. Like you got a second life, right? Like you earned that right to be freed from this environment but obviously you've been on a mission ever since. So walk us through what led up to you getting that news, that update of, hey, you're going to get out of here. Talk to us about that mindset and then the decisions that you've been making ever since. Because this is where I think the fun part starts, but we had to unpack the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. So and I, I can tell you when it happened that I got this, we'll call it the the gift. So the gift was yeah. this. I, I I was in AA and I still go to my AA meetings. That's Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't speak for AA, but I, I, I go to AA. And at the beginning of all these meetings, we start off with this beautiful prayer called the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So at an AA meeting in prison, the guy that brought the meeting in, he said, we're going to diagram this prayer today because this prayer has a hidden message in it that's going to help you through life. So he has a chalkboard behind him in the chapel. 
draws a line from one side of the chalkboard to the other. And he said, that line is bigger than the chalkboard. It's God's line. One horizon, the universe, the next. And whatever faith you are, plug in your, your deity here. So he says, so it goes from one horizon, the universe, the next. Biggest line you can imagine, bigger than your mind can even imagine. Stay off of that line because that's God's line. He said the first part of the prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. He said the things you can't change, Damon, are on that line. And every time you try to touch something on that line, you've hurt yourself and you hurt other people because you're not God and God doesn't need your help doing his job. He raced a little inch out of that line and he held his fingers up an inch apart for the entire room to see in that chapel. He said, that is your line. He said, your line is about an inch. He said, that little, that little line, he said, was called humility because he said humility is when we are right size. And he said, you're right size when you're about one inch right there compared to that big line. He said, the second part of the prayer, the courage to change the things I can't. He said, the things you can change, Damon, are on your little one inch line. And God gives you four things every day to work on on your line. He said, there are four things you have control over in this life, and they are on your line. Here they are. What you think, what you say, what you feel, and what you do. Hmm. What you think, what you say, what you feel, and what you do. He said, if it's not one of those four things, you have zero control over it. He said, I'm telling you, the world that goes on around you, you don't control the world around you. You control the world inside you. The six inches between your ears is your domain of control. He said the last part of the prayer, Paul, was the most important part of the prayer, is the wisdom to know the difference between the big line and that little line. And ever since I heard that diagram back in 2011, I was in prison. I have gone up to every decision I can think of in life in prison, out of prison, wherever I am, and I can walk up to it. And a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? That's not on my line. Hmm. That's not on my line. And I've eliminated so many choices and bad decisions simply by understanding what's on my line and what's not on my line. And this is a tough thing to do, Paul, because there's so many things out there we think we can control and we want to have our hands in. But if we can find a way, like I found a way when I was inside of a maximum security prison, inside of a dungeon, to focus my energy and my time, because that's the one thing that's equal to everybody is time. Once that's gone, it's gone for good. All the money in the world won't buy one more second of that stuff called time. But when I could focus my time, my energy, my efforts on those four things and let the other stuff go, that is when my life took off. That's when it was undeniable to parole and every other everybody else in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice that this guy didn't just come in here and change himself. He changed the entire prison. In fact, when I was interviewed for parole, the lady from parole acknowledges that. She's like, you didn't just change yourself. You changed the entire prison. She asked me, she said, I have one question for this parole hearing. She was, this is a one question test, Paul. One question decides whether you go home or you stay in prison. She said, here's my question. If you could be remembered for being anything in life, anything at all, she said, tell me what that would be in just one word. Go. And man, look, I'm a coffee bean. That's an easy question for a coffee bean. I fire her answer back at her. I was like, useful. I just want to be useful and I can mm. be useful inside this prison or I could be useful out in the free world again, finding more coffee beans. November 16th, Paul, 2015, I walked out of a Texas prison. Now I'm not a free man. I want everybody, I want all your listeners to understand that, that you're not looking at a free man in front of you because I've got a little bit more time left on parole in the state of Texas. I'm on parole to the year 2073. Who? 
Yeah, I've got 50 more years of parole. Okay. <laughs> but I don't care about that parole. I'm a coffee mm. bean. And the only way this coffee bean is going to prison is when I go to prisons all over America, I, I share this story with the men and women in there to bring hope on their journeys. And I walk out the front gate of all my prisons today. Hmm. So powerful, bro. And you know what I love too? We're all preaching in a similar way. I call it the head, heart, hands equation. But really for me, it's the epitome of what you just said. That one inch, think, say, feel, do. Head, heart, hands is think, feel, do on steroids, right? Head, yeah. th- head is the mindset. What do I think? Heart is the what do I feel? That's your truth. That's your yeah. authenticity. And hands are the like, what are you actually doing? And then in your case, my case, and in everybody's case, one of the best ways, it's not the only way, but one of the best ways to positively infect others is through what we say, because that's a lot of our energy. And of course we can influence and inspire, but regardless, head, hard hands is like things say, feel, do that's the one inch that's outside of, like you said, God's line. And that's the one inch that you do control and everything else you just put it off to the side. And I think that's something important for all of our Win Monday Nation is we always talk about awareness, ownership, and intention. And those are the table stakes of life. And you just yeah. gave us a different way of thinking about it. So now let's talk about what you've been up to ever since. So you get that phenomenal, phenomenal news, that second life. And now you've been on a mission ever since. And so you and I, we were riffing off camera a little bit pre-interview about of our a lot of our similar friends. And so we, whether it's a John Gordon or a David Nurse, And uh, some of us have been, we've had the blessing of being exposed to the sports world, whether the players, the coaches, the business side. And so talk to us about what you've been up to ever since. I mean, clearly you're talking to the top companies of the world, top organizations in the world, top athletic teams in the world, but I know it didn't happen overnight. I know that acceleration is something that is very top of mind for you. So what you been up to ever since, man? Yeah, man. So look, I, you know, I had this (laughs) dream of sharing my story with, uh, you know, first with uh, just something local to where I lived in Southeast Texas. I'd go to schools. And my, in my mind, I was going to go to schools. I'd share this story with young people, be a warning about the dangers of drugs, the consequences of bad decisions. That was originally how I thought this was going to be. But when I first got out of prison, I realized that there was nowhere for me to go speak. I mean, you can't just go knock on the door at a school <laughs> and say, I just got out of the joint. I want to talk to your kids. And they'll lock you back up. So, Not a good business strategy. There. No, no. I had to, so I had to find people that would believe in me that were pillars of society that would take me into these schools. And here's what I found out about belief. Growth follows belief. You Mm. have to believe in yourself before anybody else will believe in you and subscribe to you. But once you believe in yourself, other people will. And so I had to find this cop, this local cop, this local judge that would take me into schools. And look, man, the first couple of years that I'm out of prison, I don't have a lot of places to go speak. I mean, I, I'll go anywhere. Anybody will let me come in. But what I did have in my parents' spare bedroom, because that's where I lived for the first two years I was out of prison. I lived in my parents' spare bedroom. And you got to think about this for a second, man. I'm 40 years old. I'm on parole for the rest of my life. I live in my parents' spare bedroom. I'm making just above minimum wage. I mean, like if I would have had like a Tinder profile, it would have sucked, right? But I, <laughs> there was no dating apps back then. Yeah, we're swiping the other way. Yeah, no way no way you're swiping for that guy. But in my parents' spare bedroom, there was a mirror. It just happened to be there when I moved in that day, November 16, 2015. So every day that I wasn't speaking somewhere for the first two years I was out of prison, I did a presentation in front of that mirror. The same presentation that I use today, corporate, sports, whatever, that tailored the, the presentation for each group. But that same presentation was built in my parents' spare bedroom. 
over two year span, I got my reps in every single day. I didn't miss a day. I got mm -hmm. my reps in. And that's the thing about life. We have to get in our reps. Anything you want to be good at, you have to go get in your reps. And I, I couldn't let it hold me back that I didn't have anywhere to speak because I did. I had a mirror. I could speak in front of that mirror and that would be my rep for the day. But I finally got my big break about two years after I, get, I got out of prison. I met Dabo Sweeney at an award show one night in Houston. And he brings me in to talk to his team. And after my presentation to Clemson in 2017, Dabo gets on his phone. He starts calling all these coaches in America. Nick Saban's bringing me in. Kirby Smart's hmm. bringing me in. Lincoln Riley. But a year after that presentation to Clemson, it was, it was in August of 2018, I got the phone call that changed my life, Paul. On the other end of my phone was this guy named John Gordon. Ah. John Gordon is like this massive motivational speaker and author, right? I mean, I, he's the energy bus guy. I follow him yeah. on Twitter every day for my inspiration. And I'm like, dude, John Gordon, I know who you are, but how do you know who I am? And he said, Dabo Sweeney. He said, I just got done speaking to Clemson's football team and Dabo brought me in the office to tell me your story. And he said, for 30 minutes, he's telling me your story. But he told me the story of the coffee bean, Damon. And he said, Damon, the world needs the coffee bean message. We have to deliver this message to the world. Will you write a book with me? We'll call it the coffee bean. And so in the summer of 2019, exactly 10 years from the time that I first heard about the story of the coffee bean in Dallas County Jail in 2009 from Mr. Jackson, John Gordon and I released the best-selling book, The Coffee Bean. And it takes America by storm. Then it goes to a global publishing deal. It's in every language, almost every language in the world, Chinese, Spanish, Arabic, French, Italian. But everything in my life goes back to those people that believed in me, the Dabo Sweeney's of the world, the John Gordon's of the world that believed in me. Because growth follows belief, Paul. And those people believed in me because they saw a guy that was passionate, authentic, and they believed in that guy too. Mm, so good. You mentioned a dear friend of both of ours, so John Gordon. A lot of our listeners, of course, know John. And if you haven't read the Energy Bus and literally permission to hit timeout on this conversation and get over to Amazon and get the Energy Bus because you need it. And no big deal. I think he's got a couple dozen other bestsellers. So again, no big deal, John. But I digress. He is one of those individuals that likes to not only be an energy bus and he's kind of the captain of the positive leadership ship, but he also has this practice, this action-oriented framework. And it's very simple. And I love simplicity, the power of one word. He inspires yep. us all to choose one word going into a year. You and I were talking about this. Tell us not only your thoughts about this one word practice and how you've been able to implement and institute it, but also how do you choose your words and, and tell us also your word of the year, because I think this can be a really cool practice for our Win Monday Nation to take part in. Yeah. So the word is, I'm very intentional whenever I want to pick my word. So I guess if there's one word that would describe my one word choice, it's intentional. I have to be mm -hmm. very intentional about what my word is going to be, because that's going to be something that I'm going to, I'm going to tap into every day. My word for 2023, for example, was accelerate, because I'm in this lane right now in the speaking world where my message is finally getting out there. John Gordon gave me some really good advice when we wrote the coffee bean together. He said, Damon, he said, this message is going to blow up. You are going to blow up as long as you stick with your message. He said, you will be known as the coffee bean guy. And that'll be something pretty big to be known as one day. He said, I'm known as the energy bus guy. And that's a pretty big thing too. He said, but if you stick with your message and you don't ever change from be a coffee bean, he said, you will 
eventually your message will catch hold and it'll take off. He said, but here's what happens to so many people that I see in the speaking world and in anything in life is they give up before the miracle happens. They don't mm. see the results that they want to see in the time frame that they believe it should happen in. And they give up. They stop short. You know, they stop using the same message. And like, maybe let's go with another message. Well, now once you've got two messages, you confuse everybody because are you the coffee bean guy? Or are you some other guy over there? You know, but he said, don't ever be one of those people that gives up on their brand and their message. Stick with it until the end because it'll work out in the end. And that was some of the best advice I ever got because I stuck with a message that it took five years to catch hold. I mean, five good years of out there speaking and a lot of people believing in me. And now the message has taken hold. So that's why this year my word is to accelerate because I'm in this lane where something's happening. And when you're in a lane, when you're in that far left lane where traffic is moving the fastest, you've got a choice. Remember, we're talking about behaviors and choices, man. You can get over in one of the right lanes and let fast traffic go by you on the left, or you can accelerate. And so this year, I've chosen to accelerate. And my speaking career, it's never been busier. The impact has never been greater, too, by the way. There's a correlation there with that. And the impact of, on my family, you know, Ed Milet, Ed talks about being the one. In, in every family, there's someone that comes along that's the one. And and I've been able to become the one in my family. And that's um, it's a pretty big deal. I, less than eight years ago, Paul, I was sitting in a prison cell, serving life, a maximum security, a supermax prison. What that did do too, although also was having gone through some serious adversity in life, and you don't have to go through prison to have this thing called perspective. But my experience gave me a ton of perspective and everybody has this if you're willing to tap into it. Perspective on what a bad day looks like. A real bad day, Paul. Those are days when a marriage fails, a job is lost, a bankruptcy happens, right? Those are bad. A, a child gets hurt. Someone dies. A child dies. Those are bad days, man. There's no doubt about it. That's a bad day. Most of your bad days aren't one of those days. Most of your bad days are just days that they're not as good as some other day. But mm. you get so sucked into this mindset of the negativity and you forget to be grateful for what you have in life. You don't begin your day in gratitude. But if we can step back and say, hey, you know what? That's not one of those days. This is going to be a tough day, but it's not one of those days. And I tell people all the time, every day that I wake up, my feet don't hit the cold concrete floor of the prison cell. I'm having a good day. I'm going to win that day. Mm. We're going to win Monday. And we're going to end on that. Before we get to the final question, though, Damon, we've got, you've picked up infinite bands today, many of which want to bring you in to talk to their team, their organization, inspire a more positive culture, inspire a culture of being a coffee bean, and then sharing that baton with everybody to your left and right. So where can we find you? Where can we follow you? People find me for speaking on my website, damonwest.org, D-A-M-O-N-W-E-S-T.org. My social media, Instagram, Twitter, all of it is at damonwest7. That's where you find me. And if you're looking for inspiration and positivity every day, Monday through Sunday, it's on social media, man. Because I don't, I don't talk about any politics. I don't talk about anything <laughs> controversial. I'm looking to inspire people and bring a positive message every day. Well, no doubt. Of course, you don't talk about those things because unlike those things that try to divide people, you and I are in the unifying business, not the dividing business, right? So that, that's why we're just kindred spirits here. Love the spirit of Win Monday? Then join the Win Monday community, an elite tribe of like-minded and like-hearted people just like you and I on a mission to get 1% better every day with unshakable confidence. 
for Win Monday gear, motivation, and exclusive content just for you. You can find it all at paulepsteinspeaks.com. In the main nav bar, click on community. paulepsteinspeaks.com, main nav bar, hit community. With that, welcome in and let's get back to the show. And I do want to close with this. You talked about the power of not only one word, but the power of one day and the power of acceleration. My word for the year is momentum. And I believe that we're all wired to be momentum machines. It's something I also have taken from our friend, Ed Milet. I know he talks about us being momentum machines. Here's how I want to close this out. Think something small, something tactical, something that every member of our Win Monday Nation can do on they're listening to this. We drop our episodes on a Sunday because that's where Winning Monday starts. It's the mindset to get ready for the week. So if we want to win the coming day and the coming week, what's one piece of advice that you would share with all of our listeners to make sure that it's a winning day and week? Here it is. Look for ways to serve others. Every day, wake up with that mindset saying, I'm looking for ways to serve. In fact, I talk about everybody needs to work out each day in three areas, spiritually, mentally, and physically. People ask me all the time, what's your spiritual workout? I'll give you my spiritual workout. And remember, whatever religion you are, you can plug this prayer into yours too. It's okay. It's not anybody's religion. This is what I say every morning. I wake up and I say, hey, God, put in front of me what you need me to do today for you. And let me recognize that when I see it, because I don't want to miss whatever that is. Amen. Now I'm in a mindset, Paul. I'm looking for ways to serve. I'm looking for who can I help out today? And guess what, man? That changes your whole perspective on life. Because somebody once told me at an AA meeting, they said, man, Damon, if we can walk up to a pile and if we could all take our problems out and throw our problems onto a pile and you could walk up to that pile and you could choose anybody else's problems that are on that pile, guess what you'd most likely do? You'd go grab your problem and throw your problem back over your shoulder when you see what other people are dealing with in their lives. And so you have an opportunity every day to make someone's day, to serve other people. And it doesn't cost any money to do this. It's looking for ways to just be kind to other people you meet. And it starts with a smile on your face. Mm, mm, So good. So good. And you said something earlier, and then we really are going to close out with this. You talked about being a problem solver and relating it to prison. Hit us with that because I think we caught that outside of this conversation, but that would be the perfect way to close us out because we all want to be greater problem solvers in our life. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. When I learned that people who go to prison are poor problem solvers, because obviously mm-hmm. if you ended up in a prison, you, you couldn't do the simple math that if this, then that equals that, right? So, but I understood when I heard that, I was okay, if I was a poor problem solver and got me to prison, if I could start solving problems the right way, I wouldn't be in a prison anymore. And when I first got free was long before November 16, 2015, when I walked out of prison. That was like the trifecta of me being free. Because when I first became free, I was still inside that prison. Because mentally, spiritually, I was already a free man long before I yep. walked out of that prison. Yeah. And that's where we have to become free on the inside. And and I'm going to leave your listeners with this warning right here. This is it. You can take this from the guy that spent almost 10 years in the supermax prison in Texas or the professor who teaches about prisons at the University of Houston downtown. The hardest prison to do time in is the prison in your mind. Mm. I meet more people out here in the free world who are locked up by their thoughts and by their things 
than by steel bars and barbed wire and concrete combined. Do not become a prisoner in your own mind. That is the hardest prison to walk out of. So many people that I meet out here in the free world are prisoners. They're prisoners to these phones. They're prisoners to their thoughts. They're prisoners to their prejudices. That is not the kind of prison you want to be in because it's the hardest prison to walk out of. And, you know, and right now in this country, there's a lot of negativity. And the negativity, it comes through us through our devices, these smartphones that make us dumb, these smart TVs that make us dumber inside of our homes. We have to turn and tune out the negativity, turn it off, change the channel, swipe the screen. Mm. Consider that a bonus round for how we can win the day, win the week and beyond. Brother Damon, from the bottom of our hearts and the entire Win Monday Nation, thank you so much for being on the podcast, my man. Dude, thanks for fitting this in, man. This is incredible. We got this done, just jammed it in in the middle of the day. I love it. Thank you for doing that. Another fire episode of the Win Monday podcast is in the books. If you gain value from today's conversation, don't forget to subscribe and share it as we grow our Win Monday Nation together. Until the next time, let the rest of the world fantasize about Friday. You and I, we choose to win Monday. Yeah.